What we do here is go back, 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 back. All right, you've tuned into This Podcast is Delicious, where two comedians who have both worked in the restaurant industry for a total of combined of over 50 years and who know what they're talking about and talk tongue-in-cheek about both food and drink. I'm one of the hosts. I'm Marco Timpano. I'm the other host. I'm Ali Hassan. How are you, everybody? I, I can't speak for them, but I'm doing great. And you know why I'm doing great, Ali? Tell me why. Tell me okay, what's so I caught you hosting Canada Reads. And listen, mm-hmm. I have a lot of bad things to say about you, but man, CBC, if they don't gild your shoes because you're such a great host... I, I, I don't know who will. Like, we're fortunate in this country to have you host a show like Canada Reads, which unites this country through literature. Thank you for what you did. I thought you were fantastic. And I don't. And if you listen to the podcast, you know, I have very little nice things to say about my co-host Ali. But I can't imagine I can how say. difficult that was for you just now. I can't imagine <laughs> how how many hours you would have had to rehearse to get these nice comments out like that. Uh, but I do very much appreciate it. It's a uh, it's a it's a hugely rewarding, satisfying part of my life. Um, n- number one, you know, we talk about resets, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 in fact, what we're going to talk about today, which is fasting, is a lot about a reset right. for your body, your stomach, your soul. Um, Canada Reads is a nice reset. You know, I I start the year focused on i got five books to read yeah because in march i'm hosting a show where there'll be five panelists championing these five books and it's a great reminder albeit forced god knows i probably wouldn't read five books right out of the gate i would say i would but then i wouldn't but i'm forced to and it is a great way to start the the year connected to literature reminded of the beauty of literature reminded of the beauty of, of of this show and what a gem it is in canada what a jewel and um it's great, and I appreciate you watching it, and you're always such a, a huge supporter. Thank you, buddy. And man, did you look sharp. Whoever that dressed is you? Tara Williams. Tara Williams. Tara Williams is the G, man. She is so great. Uh, and she is a juggling act. It's not just like what Ali looks like. Yeah. It's like, what are the other people wearing? What are, what is, will this bleed on camera? Will this right. run? Which will this, will this match the background? Will this conflict with the background in the studio? Will this look good on my, the color of my face? Will this uh, be something that I wore last year? Will it be, di- I mean, she is, very, she is so amazing. I can't sing enough praises of this woman. And purples and blues are hard to deal with. And that was a lot of the set. So Tara Williams, exactly. maybe you weren't as good as I thought you were because she made you look so good. So I'm going to give half my, half my respect to Tara Williams. And there it is. I knew you couldn't last too long with all this credit. I'm not done giving you praise, my friend. What? Yeah, I'm not done. Okay. So first of all, I got to say, first, I'm going to give you a backhanded compliment. Ali has another podcast, which he never talks about on this show. So I will talk about it because it's a fantastic podcast. It's called Doctor versus Comedian. And your co-host, who is Dr. Asif Doja, is that right? How you say Yeah, his name? we call him Asif. You could go Asif, Asif if you want to, but. Asif, sorry. Asif, I apologize. And I listen to the show all the time. You'd think I'd know how to say say his name. I apologize. Um, but first of all, you treat your, your co-host there so lovely that I listen and I'm like, what the F? Like, I, like if I got half the nice, the, the way you treat him, I'd be like giving you more let me, let me tell you something. Once the microphone is turned oh. off, I treat him like garbage. I've oh. known him since, literally since the day he was born. I see. We both come from New Brunswick originally. Right. or he, he was born in Montreal, but we're old childhood friends. Right. My first friend ever. Uh, 
so I treat him like trash off the mic. But because oh, he's a respected doctor, I am forced, I am obliged against my will to give him some respect. I have learned a lot of medical stuff by listening to your show. That's great. Yeah, and it's it's packed in such a way that's digestible. And for for the layperson uh, like myself, uh, you know, it's very approachable. And then you talk and and whatever you, you add, whatever you add to it. But really, it's a, it's a it's a place where I get a lot of knowledge. But I will say this: I was very proud of you because on the last show you did, which dealt with the Oscars before the the emergency show, but the actual Oscar episode, you pronounced Elena Ferrante's name correctly. And That's you were miscorrected. You were miscorrected by your your co-host. Uh, of course, she wrote the book that the lost daughter was based on, but it is definitely oh, Elena. Yeah. yeah. So, so I want to give you credit there. Oh man, Asif Doja, he's gonna get it next listen. time. Don't you ever miscorrect me? Yeah. Uh, listen, if, if there's if there's, I am your emergency Italian. You know when you have to phone a friend, just text me if you're ever not sure. If it's something, you know, remotely Latin, you're like, I know the person. We'll reach out to him. All right. And last, before we get to our episode, and thank you, our listeners, for staying for six minutes of us just talking and, and not talking about food or drink. I want to send a shout out to Laurel, who emailed us back. Ali. I love it. She's back. Mommy Laurel. How are you, Mommy? And Laurel, um, she said she responded back in September, but we didn't, maybe we didn't notice the email. We noticed it. We just forgot it. Laurel, you're giving us a bit more credit than, than, than we're due, but she's saying she's enjoying the episodes and that she's here with us. And just a shout out to Laurel who, who listed all the episodes we mentioned we would cover and we're going to go through this year. So, so she's doing God, God's work for us. She's, Basically like a producer on this show in a strange way, right? Where our completely unfocused brains can't like, we just say things during the podcast. You know what? We should do a podcast about that, but never yeah. do it. Laurel's there to write yeah. it down and be like, by the way, you did say you would talk at length about donuts someday. We're like, perfect. She, donuts. She's I just made that up. But Unpaid, yeah. uncredited producer who will get no accolades other than us mentioning her name. Um, I mean, and she... And I have to say, she has a really cool last name, but I won't say it unless Laurel gives us permission to do so. Okay. Okay. So that's, so that's all my housekeeping I have to do off the top. But, you know, speaking of God's work, that's what today's episode is kind of about. About which is ironic because the the last, the last month we've spent trying to disassociate ourselves from religion in the most aggressive manner. We literally changed our name from the Eat and Drink podcast to this podcast is delicious, which both of us are completely, you know, we, we love the name and we love the whole branding, but it was prompted by the fact that Eat and Drink is also a podcast about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so we were getting people coming here and going, these guys are swearing at each other and insulting Italians and Pakistan. What's happening here? We're not about Christ. Today, today, Christ comes back. It is the resurrection, you could say. The return of the Messiah right here on this podcast is delicious. Of course, I exaggerate. Uh, and we should also mention Ramadan. We're in the season of Ramadan. And so we're going to be talking about that as well. Yeah, and I'll also tell you why it's not a season, and I'll explain to you how ignorant you sound, but but all in good time, buddy. Let's not jump okay. into that right away. Let me ask you this. Do you say happy Ramadan to someone? Is that the correct phraseology? Because sure. I, I wanted to text that to you, but I didn't want to be offensive, and I didn't want to really research how to do it on on, on the internet, because I was like, you know what? It's easier if I just ask them on air. <laughs> 
You were worried that then you'd be on some Ramadan mailing lists or Listen, something. Happy Ramadan is great. A okay. blessed Ramadan is blessed great. Period. Ramadan Mubarak is something oh, Mubarak, that said yeah, that's right. Mubarak is, you know, happy. Mubarak is happy or, okay. or um, yeah, exactly. I'm always um, worried I'm going to say the, the you know, the former leader of Egypt, if I say it. Hosni, Hosni Mubarak. And I'm always like, what if I say it wrong? I don't know. Like, you know, I can barely get through an episode because I don't, I always feel like I'm saying your name wrong because I say <laughs> Ali and I hear people say Ali and I'm like, what is it? And still to this day, I have people saying, you say my friend, there wrong. are, there are seven different pronunciations at oh. least of this three letter name. So you don't worry about it. I respond okay. to your voice saying my name in whatever oh. way you choose. That's how I chose to do this. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, let, let's. Let's take a load off. Okay. You're too stressed. Right. I will explain your uh, your ignorance to our audience in, mo in in a few moments. But first, let's start with something you are confident about. Okay. Although, you know, argument argument could be made that you shouldn't be Lent, Easter, and it's while it's not exactly fasting, it is. If you and you'll correct me. Yeah. It is giving something up. It's a very sort of, right. uh, it's like a myopic fast. It's a very focused fast. You fast on one thing. And I've known friends over the years who've given up chocolate or sure. given up um, alcohol is, is one I've heard over the years. But um, yeah, never, no one ever gives up like quinoa or something. Eh? It's all right. Right. <laughs> so, so tell us about right. the motivations and tell us what your connection to Lent is, Mark. Okay. So there is one. I'm going to speak for Christians here, okay? And that's Ooh, not that's that's, that. that's no, a big swath lose. swath of, you know, people. I am also a reverend with the Universal Life Church, just so so you can call me reverend if you want. So I speak oh. with a certain degree of uh knowledge and that and having to being forced to go to the Catholic school for 14 years of my life, I think I can uh I can I can speak to this, okay? So Okay, okay. Uh, so there's some credibility, there's some street Yeah, cred. there's some credibility. Listen, I don't necessarily follow or I'm not religious, but I know enough that I can speak to it. So Lent is the 40 days um, that to prepare for Easter. So it's the 40 days before Easter. And it differs depending when Easter happens, because, you know, Easter falls on different days um, throughout the calendar. Right. And it re represents the time that Jesus spent in the desert praying and resisting the temptations of the devil. All right. So okay. modern Christians or modern Catholics, I should say, celebrate this time of the year by surrendering, surrendering something for 40 days. Now, traditionally it was food. You would give up certain foods. You would actually fast, but then, you know, with the pace of society and how people, you know, don't have time for stuff, people are giving up a lot of stuff, including bullshit things. Right. So it's like, I'm going to give up, uh, you know, wearing a wristwatch. That's not really suffering the way your <laughs> Messiah did. Right. A, lo a lot it. of our listeners could do with giving up their daily Starbucks. And they don't because that's not easy to do. Now, you might say, well, Marco, what have you given up? I've never given up anything because that's not me. That's not my style. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, wow. I may have said so when I was younger because, you know, that was what, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm giving up this. I'm giving up that. But I'll tell you, it'll last three or four days. And that's it. If if that. So for those who are dedicated and I know a lot of Catholics who are a lot of my good friends do give up things. And it's it's a really wonderful reward when you fast for 40 days. And then on the celebration day, which would be Easter, you get to break that fast and have whatever thing you have been, um, you know, removing from your daily life. So that's Lent in a nutshell. I love it. Yeah. That, and that is it. What about, <laughs> and Lent begins, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, which is the day after fat Tuesday or right. Mardi Gras. Right. Okay. Right. So, so fill up with pancakes 
And then, you know, maybe you give up all wheat products for 40 days. Good luck to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm happy you mentioned Fat Tuesday because I'm going to, I'm going to reference that as well. Right. Um, so Easter recipes classically, and, and this is, this is what I like about, uh, what I love about Easter is what I hate about Thanksgiving. Let me say oh, okay. it that way. Okay. Thanksgiving, big emphasis on turkey. You and I have spoken about this. Look, man, I used to be a caterer. I would take buckets of food. Plate. I have massive buckets of food. I'm making, last time I made a saltwater brine at Christmas, right. 24 hours. This turkey was brined and all that. I've done everything with turkey that you can think of, except that one thing that you're thinking about right now, Marco. But otherwise, every single thing sure. that I can do... With a turkey, um, or, you know, turkey soup, uh, turkey in something called halim, a d- delicious uh, Pakistani uh, dish, turkey sandwiches with like brie, a little bit of apple, and a, a nice, uh, soft, uh, you know, mish, uh, uh, country bread, fantastic. Um, what have we done? We've put turkey in curry. We've done every single thing with turkey. And every single time, I'm like, Kind of wish it was something else. Uh, yeah, that's right. You've got you've got, version, does, you've got an aversion. You've got an aversion. I mean, it's it's just so there's just so little fat in it. And me, I like the fat. So okay. speaking of that, racism Easter, alert. Really... Racism <laughs> alert. I just want to point that out. So for you, I turkey. Love, I love lamb. I love lamb, and Easter celebrates the lamb. Turkey is a thankless beast for you. I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. If we were going around the Thanksgiving table giving thanks i'd be like i'm thankful for everything except this stupid dry bird so the only turkey that should be on your table is a shot of wild turkey is what you're saying there you go all right right. i on the other hand am pretty much the uh negative or the polar opposite to you i am not a fan of lamb i have never been a fan of lamb oh my god lamb we gotta yeah all we those products. cancel the podcast no no all those products in that family in the mutton lamb family they, it has a taste and I've spoken to other people. It has a taste that affects me in a way that I don't enjoy it. You know how some people have an aversion to cilantro for me, pecorino, um, sheep, lamb, um, and mutton, yeah. that family of beasts. Nope. When yeah. you say affects you in a certain way that you don't like, what does it mean? Does it make you happy and positive and, and uh, enjoyable to be around? Like There's something rarely like completely radical? That, only, no, exactly. only a shot of wild turkey will do that for me. But no, but seriously, I, there's something about the taste that I just don't like it. it. It it doesn't like people talk about how tender and beautiful and how mellow the taste is and how mm. lovely it tastes. For me, it's it, it does not read that way. It's very interesting. You know, I um, it's one of those things like I can see it. Yeah. I get it, but it yeah. doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Like I, I, I have goat cheese mm-hmm. and I go, I get how people would hate yeah. this, Dude, but I, I still don't hate it. I can't even go inside a yurt because it's made with like, you know, lamb's wool or whatever. And I feel like I'm inside the belly of a goat and I'm like, I just can't like the smell. There's something about it. If like, if you want to torture me, put me in a yurt and feed me lamb. And wow, then that really, that's that really messes with your retirement plans, I guess. <laughs> huh? I know where you and you were hoping to end up. Um, Okay, buddy. Well, we learned a, a lot about you. Doesn't like lamb, can't live in a yurt. This is very interesting. Wait, we talked about my season of fasting, which is Lent. Shouldn't we talk about yours or are we going to get there? We're, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting I needed, there. I wanted, I wanted you to get out everything. I assumed there would be anger and uh, stress. 
Here's the thing. Ramadan is a month. It's the name. It's a name of a month. Oh, it's the name of a month. So, so it's like, like saying, October, have like a happy September. Okay. Have a happy September. Have a happy okay. Ramadan. Have a blessed oh, Ramadan. Okay. okay. We follow the lunar calendar. What that means is the month of Ramadan in our, you know, Gregorian calendar, Western calendar, it'll fall in different times. Right. Of course. So through, and, 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 and what happens is it gets kind of pushed earlier. It comes earlier. So for people who fast during Ramadan, so let me explain what the fasting involves. Yes. It's not this wussy laden, I'm going to give up one thing nonsense. It's from sunup to sundown, nothing, not even a drop of water, no sexual intercourse. You couldn't handle it, buddy. A machine like yourself couldn't handle what we do. Oh my God. I shouldn't say we, but anyway, no water, nothing. And so... My memories, when I was a teenager, when I was 15 or 16, Ramadan was falling in July. Okay. 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 If you've ever been in Montreal in July, it is a thick, yeah, thick heat. It envelops you. And we would be out there playing, um, playing uh, basketball right. in the July heat because mm-hmm. we had, we weren't, didn't want to work. We weren't old enough to work. We were sure. doing what we did. And uh, I talk about this guy in my one-man show, Fasil Shahabuddin. His name is a mouthful. It's a very Muslim name, which was the exact right name for this guy. Fasil Shahabuddin would fast. I mean, and this is a 15, 16-year-old guy. Where he got the strength and the faith and the connection to God to do that, I still to this day, I, I just wonder if it's just sort of like, it's just robotic. Everybody does it, so you do it. But man. We're playing in 36 degrees plus humidity. Right. For our American friends, you'll have to put that into a calculator. I don't know offhand what that is. Sure. Um, you know, 90s. You're in the 90s right. there in, in terms of Fahrenheit. It is crazy humid. We're playing and we're taking breaks every half an hour to chug water out of our water bottles. Or really, it wasn't those days, it was not water bottles. Those days, it was go to the water fountain right. in the park and suck water right out of the nozzle because we had no understanding sure. what germs were in the 80s but and 90s but this guy wouldn't drink a drop wow so we just go another hmm. three hours after the game go home and then finally break fast in july so there will be coming up in the coming years because we're in ramadan right now which right. is coinciding with the month of april but there will be some real easy Ramadan coming up. Right. February Ramadan, not so hard. Right. Not so hard. You know what I mean? Sure. If you're somebody who doesn't eat till around 11, 12 anyway, I just hold out another four hours. It's barely a fact. Also, what's to eat in February? That's really great. Like everything, like there's nothing fresh Absolutely. that you're eating. Everything's kind of garbage here in North America anyway. So, or in, in the North part of North America. What a pleasant way to look at listen, things. Listen, you, your friend had the fortitude to fast and you he still gave him a backhanded compliment saying, I don't know if he just did it because of peer pressure. Maybe he was, maybe he was. No, you know what? And I, I will never give that guy a backhanded compliment. He deserves right. praise fully. But right. but what I mean by that is um, there are certain families. Sure. I didn't grow up with fasting around me. So for me, it's a choice. Should I fast? Should I not fast? For many families, it's not a choice. Right. You just do. You fast. You yeah. fast because, you know, my friend, I got a buddy in Chicago. I'll leave his name out of it, but he's a maniac. He's a lunatic. He eats right. and drinks whatever and uh, uh, sexually uh, too active, some of Ooh, us might okay. say. Okay. Um, I wasn't expecting to go there or find out about yeah, that, but yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm not naming sure. him. But in the month of Ramadan, it's all gone. A full... Oh, wow. 
complete, no booze the entire month. Right. Um, doesn't eat. Right. Sun up to sundown. Right. And uh, cuts off any relations right. with women. Okay. Now, right after Ramadan's over, I mean, everybody. It's the feast of Saturnalia. Exactly. <laughs> He's in a vomitorium. Yes, there's orgies. Absolutely. You name it. Okay. It's too much. It's too much. But but um, for him, it's not a choice. And then the reason is, yeah. yes, he's in Chicago now, but he grew up in Dubai. He grew up okay. in the Emirates. Okay. And it was just something you did and all the sure. family. And not only that, it was easy. There's no temptation. Nobody's there drinking water in front of you going, ha ha, you can't have this, right? Nobody's toying with your emotions. Yeah. Nobody's open. Nobody's even, right. you couldn't go get a slice of pizza at noon if you wanted to in, right. in, in the Emirates right. in the, during Ramadan. So it's, it's no less easy in the sense that you're still fasting for 12 to 14 hours, whatever. It's, right. it's not easier that way, but. But everything that could be made easy around you externally is there in place. I see. Right? Um, I don't have that. So I didn't grow up fasting, sure. but then I would make the choice. I would be like, you know what? And it was rarely, uh, sadly or not sadly, however you look at it, it wasn't really a connection to God issue. It was a connection to myself. I want to believe that I can put this challenge on myself. I, see, I want I to see. believe that I can go 15 hours. Right. And you know what? I often couldn't. Right. I, often I can see that in you. I can very see that cranky by midday, yeah. unhappy, don't like the smell of my breath. And yeah. I go, well, how many more hours of this? You know, for those who um, for those who may have done drugs and had a bad trip. Right. You know, like, let's say you're like hallucinating on mushrooms or acid right. or something. And then you go, OK, this is going to be over soon. Right. I mean, yes, soon, eight, 10 hours and you're out in the clear. Like, you know, that that type of nightmare. Sure, sure. I can relate to that because when I was like, we're almost, it's time to break the fast, right? Cause I'm on, I'm on shaky ground. Sure. Yep. Only six more hours to go. And I'd be like, oh, this is not gonna, I'm not built for this, you know? And, and, and I think having the faith a little bit does, does help you. Sure. And I have a lot of respect for people who do it. it yep. I, I don't think it's easy. Right. For some people it's super easy because their perspective is God asks so little of us. Right. If this is what God wants us to do. Why not? And there you right? go. But I, I, so no water either, right? No water. No water. Okay. Either. That's that's the that's the that's the tough part for me. Not that I would sure. do it, but because I can barely do mine, which I could I could stop doing like <laughs> silly things, right, for forty days. But um, but yeah, that's listen. You're in some ways you're very right. Like you know, for people who believe they ask so little of you, and for forty days, and you know what I love about it? It's a it's a total reset. It's a great reset. You know, people pay thousands of dollars to go to these, you know, you know, these, these, these doctors who tell you like how to lose weight. And they're basically just following these kind of fasts, making people go on fast for 40 days. And you yeah. have these fat farms and they just feed you like iceberg lettuce for 40 days. And they're like, look how much weight you lost on this wonderful diet. And there you go. And so I'm going to sort of uh, celebrate what you've just said right. and poke holes in it because my mother was somebody who would always say, you know, everything that people are looking for, all the answers to everything, it's all there in the Quran. Right. That's what she would say. And so what she's, uh, you know, hinting at there is stuff like exactly like things that, you know, doctors recommend. Muslims already knew about right. that. Oh, you should, you know, bathe a certain way. Muslims already knew about. Oh, sure. you should, right? So this, the Muslim sort of propaganda that I've heard over my over my life from my parents, or not my parents, but my mother anyway, right. was like, but we knew about this growing up. Why? Because it's in the Quran. It's something the, the prophet said. The words of the prophet sure. are not 
in the Quran always, there's something called hadith, which is a separate sort of body of Islamic uh, work that a lot of people turn to. So, um, and that's great, right? right? And I also, you know, meditation, people are like, you know, there's meditation apps making billions of right. dollars. The mindfulness industry yep. is like, but Muslims, practicing Muslims will laugh in the face of that and be like, what do you think we're doing five times a day? Right. You think when we pray and have these, you think that's not meditative? You think sure. that's not being mindful? You sure. know? So now you can also pray and not being mindful, just trying to go through the motions. But but those tools are there. Those those things are there to serve you, health, mind, body, all of that. It's wonderful. However. Oh, oh, here we go. I was in Saudi Arabia. Direct all your Ramadan. emails to Ali Hassan. Yes. I do not. do that. Whatever he's about to say, I am not on board with. All right. Well, hold on. You okay. might have been on board with it. Okay. You would have loved it probably. My mother always said Ramadan is very healthy. It's right. good to fast. It's good to. You. Okay, mom. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Then we go to Saudi Arabia. My right. father uh, decided to leave his family for reasons we never fully appreciated and live in Saudi Arabia for two years. And, oh, and I didn't teaching know this. There when I was a teenager. You, yeah. You, you lived in Saudi for two years? I did not. Oh, okay. We stayed in Brassard, Quebec. Oh, okay. He went. He oh, I see. I see. of Quebec politics. Oh, okay. Canadian weather. God knows what he was doing, okay. but he, he had to oh, okay, okay. We went to visit him a couple of times. My mother went four times. I went twice to Saudi okay. Arabia. One of the times we went was Ramadan. Oh, I have never seen, you know how we just described my Chicago friend and you yes. said it's the feast of, what was it? The feast of? Saturnalia. I, I'm not going to get that. You're going to have to type that for me. Uh, and Saturn, the, the word Saturn, Saturn, it was a Roman pagan festival, Nalia. Yes. So it was like just Saturnalia. eat, have sex, do what you want, debauchery. It's the feast of Saturnalia. It happens around December 17th. I only know that because it's my birthday and it's just Hilarious. like craziness, Roman craziness. Okay, we'll celebrate next yeah, year. Why not? Yeah, we'll honor that. <laughs> um, minus the sex and the, um, I mean, I don't know about the sex, but minus the alcohol anyway, that's what it felt like every night at Iftar. Iftar is the is the period when you break the fast. Oh, okay. It is the, the breaking of the fast. It's come to mean uh, breaking the fast. Iftar, what are you going to eat for Iftar? Iftar meals, you can look up okay. at IFTAR. Dude, I've never seen anything like that. It was end of the world type of stuff. Right. Let's say the world's ending tomorrow. What are we going to eat tonight? And they do this for 30 days in countries like Saudi Arabia. Right. We were in the city of Medina. And I've never seen anything like There's like multiple lambs roasting on a fire. Just, you know, I ate because I, I, I was fasting. Because sure. as I said, sometimes it's easier, sometimes harder. When you're in Saudi Arabia, it could not be easier. So right. I was fasting. I've never eaten more food in a three hour period wow. in my entire life to this day, wow. because it's not only like it's there. It's also like, come on, eat, 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 you know? And I remember when I woke up the next morning before sunrise to eat, I was like, I, I think I'm just going to have a few glasses of water. The food from last night still hasn't digested. I've I never see. eaten like that. It's insane. Okay. So at its core, at its essence, yes, fasting can be a very healthful concept. I know a lot of Muslims who take that concept and throw it right out the window. So my in-laws, who I love beyond here we, here words, we go. I have nothing but love. I mean, but here's the thing. They're still doing a good thing. They barely eat any of this, but we go to their house. We could go to their house 30 days right. out of 30 days of Ramadan. Right. And my, my father-in-law fasts, and there are pakoras. Yum. 
right away, right out of the gate, first thing. So first thing is always a date. The prophet was known to have eaten right. dates and it was it's it's become very symbolic. You break your fast with a glass of water and, and a date or two or, or, or a handful of dates. Pitted or not pitted? Always with the pit in it. Let's oh, not be ridiculous. Oh, okay? oh how yeah, interesting. Yeah. How interesting. Because you know it's there, Marco. Okay, 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 listen, we won't go there. Listen to last week's show. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. But then the pakora. So pakora is for people who may not know, you know, also like people call them bhajis, onion bhaji pakora. This is, you know, a, a chickpea flour um, mixed with whatever, potatoes, onions. It could be mixed vegetables. Sure. So many different things. And then they're deep fried. Yum. So we're eating these deep fried snacks 30 days in a row. If we want, if we're at their house, they're, they're, they're going to always be there. Sure. My father-in-law maybe only has one or two, but the rest of us are having like seven or eight and we didn't even fast. What are we rewarding ourselves for? So it's these weird traditions that so many uh, cultures and, and, and families have of what to make when you break the fast. Now, there's also some great things. If you look at um, if you look at a variety of different websites, if you look at, you know, if you look up iftar, how do people eat the right. break their fast classically? Dates always make the list. Shorba is very is very um uh, shorba basically means gravy, but the shorba in certain countries in the Middle East, it's also got a lentil soup. So it's just a, a, a very light lentil soup with some vegetables. So the lentils provide a protein, the vegetables are Yum. in there, and it's kind of a nice way to ease into your breaking of the fast. A nice warm soup with, with, with healthy ingredients. You know, what's ideally, the fat in that? Cause I know you can't put pork in that, but what's the fat you would put in that? I don't o- think there oil? is a fat other than uh, some oil at okay. the beginning to maybe fry the onions Got and it. garlic, okay. or let's say that's going in there. Yeah. Or sometimes maybe just if it's in the middle East, they would maybe drizzle it with an olive oil. Nothing after wrong with fat. that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that as far as you're concerned. Yeah. Uh, Pakistanis very often go with samosas. Again, deep fried stuff, which, look, dude, I'm, I'm, I love samosas. I'll sing sure. their, their praise, but I don't believe they should be eaten 30 days in a row. That's a, That's just my thoughts on that. One of my favorite things. Yes. Which we will do an episode on because I want I to go it. through all the steps. Something called Halim. Uh, Lauren, if you're listening, we will do an episode on Halim. Her name is Laurel. Look up Halim. Laurel, first of all. Yeah. Where did yeah. my Lauren come Sorry. Sorry. I'm keeping Laurel. you honest. <laughs> Laurel, I will do an episode on Halim because I want people to know about this dish. Yeah. It's a classic Pakistani dish. It takes time. It takes time to make. It takes enough time to make that it's one of those things, along with a couple of other Pakistani dishes, that is on a menu at a Pakistani restaurant, but typically only on the weekends. Oh, Halim I love the Fridays oh, or Saturdays only, oh, that kind of thing. I'm I'm all about that, my friend. I know you are. Yeah. Right? That is devoting yourself to making something good and doing it properly. So I know you're all about that. So I, that's why I mention it. Yeah. Um, but Halim is a, a mix of, here's where the problem is. Mutton. Uh, it doesn't okay. have to be. It could be a beef halim, but it's often yeah. mutton. I, I challenge you to taste the mutton by the time. But it's mutton and cracked wheat and lentils in this kind of a thick stew. And I'm, my mouth is watering now. Crispy onions on the top, uh, fresh cilantro, lots of lemon juice and uh, julienne ginger and green chilies, often green chilies. It's one of the most flavorful things. I mean, if if it was up to me, I'd eat that 30 days out of okay. 30, to be quite okay. honest. Nobody's making that for me 30 days out of 30. I have to make it for myself. But otherwise, you know, yogurts in the mix, uh, sometimes on the yogurt, you know, fried eggplant. Yes. And then, yeah, there's all these things. Like, for me, I, look, dude, I don't want to be a buzzkill, but some dates, some fresh fruit, 
you know, something nice and fresh to re- replenish uh, the multiple hours you've gone without any sugar of any kind and, and without any hydration. I think those are great. Mm-hmm. And then a, and then a shorba, like a, a lentil soup, followed by maybe a little bit of a, a meat or, 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 or beans, like full, full, F-U-L. I'm going to yes. do an episode on full for we sure. We did. You know, we have done it. We have done full okay. in the past. We That's have. Like, I knew I got passionate about it. Um, one of my favorite things, it's if fava beans... Uh, again, it's a stew. It's basically a bean stew, which I know that doesn't sound exciting, but with fresh pita bread and and um, and uh, garlic and olive oil and spices on top or some tahini, fantastic. So there's what is done, there's what is sometimes done, and then there's what could be done. I think Ramadan for many people could be healthier, right? But I have nothing but respect for the people who 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 go through the thirty days, and I think more and more. You know, I'm seeing websites about how to do a healthy Ramadan, how sure. to do a vegan Ramadan, right. how to how to um, how to practice uh, fasting and and keep it the healthful thing that it was supposed right. to do, be. Uh, so I'm just talking about your body, but there's obviously this spiritual component as well, right? When you have, we forget how much we distract ourselves sure. with food, right? Anybody who works at home knows all about this. Like you're just like. You don't know what to do with yourself. You got a little break, 15 minute break. Uh, yeah, you could read something. You could nourish your mind. What do we do? We go looking into some cupboards of and course. eating something we totally don't need, it, right? You're really hyper aware of that during Ramadan. Okay. When you're in that last three, four hours sure. and you're walking to the kitchen and then making a U turn, not what am I doing here? What am I? I don't need to be here. You really get to focus on. Uh, a, a really mental and spiritual component of yourself. And, and um, it's something I haven't done enough in my life I and agree. I should have, and I should, you and should, I will, yep. and I got to continue to do it. Uh, but there's, there's beauty in that. And I think, you know, I, this year, okay. I am not, I'm not fasting, All right, but I am. And this is, this is, there's a joke here to be made and people will mock this because it's not that, but I'm intermittent fasting. Okay. I'm going to stop eating after 6 PM. Okay. I really need to do that. I've been going r- reckless and I'm doing something quite Muslim, quite Muslim in nature. I'm not going to drink for 30 okay. days. Okay. Um, I can, I can not quite Ramadan, but you're, you're doing your best for I your mean, body. It's my Listen. bastardized version. Of, Listen, uh, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? I've never fasted for Lent. I never will fast for Lent, but I can tell you what I really do, which is on March 19th, I like to eat Zeppole. Now, March 19th is significant because it's the, uh, St. Joseph's day and Zeppole. Okay. If you're not familiar, is a sweet puff pastry made with um, what's that? What's that pastry? Uh, pasta frola. Uh, I can't think of the the type of pastry dough it is. I'll, I'll remember it in a second. And it's made kind of into a donut, which has cream. Sometimes it's ricotta cream and amarena cherries. And you're supposed to eat zeppole on Saint Joseph's Day up until Easter. And then we should not see zeppole again until after. A lot of bakeries, because people love them so much, make them throughout the entire year. I always look down on those places. I will not, (laughs) you will not find me eating Zeppole after Easter. I only eat it from St. Joseph's day, which is March 19th to Easter because I am a perfect Christian. That's what I'll say. You're a model of a, of a man. And I think right now, a lot of people listening are like, we didn't know that we had a hero here. Listen, uh, in our ears. And, and now here you are just presenting yourself as the incredible, Model Christian all those people who listen to those evangelists on television should turn them off 
and listen to me is what I have to say there. And I can say that with unbridled passion and uh, I will set you straight from all those 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 leanings that but there's but there is in my traditions in in Italian uh, Catholic traditions there are certain traditions that we bring during this holy time of Easter mm. uh, and the Zeppelin is one of them I have a bunch here if you care to hear them or not but uh, yeah um, I will yeah, say, I care to hear them I also wanted to ask you about sure. the fish and Friday okay. uh, connection there what, what that is that's not a fast but it's a restriction of some kind that's right? right on Good Friday which is the Friday before Easter Sunday we have fish you're not supposed to eat meat or as my wife says Jesus died so I can have clams with your family is how Amanda <laughs> likes to put it because she's like you know she's from she's from New England she's American so she's not necessarily used to these sort of Italian Catholic traditions and when she first came to to dinner at, at, you know, we usually go to my aunt's house, my Zia Lugina's house, and we have, you know, we have a plentitude of fishes. And, you know, there's this thing, and I know it's more for uh, Christmas, which is, you know, the Feast of Seven Fishes. And I think that's just mm. a guideline or a minimum because I, I met us like when you have the seven fishes and I'm like, we never count the fish that we have. It's never like how many, oh, do we have seven? No, because we always know there's going to be more than that. And it's more of a question of, do we have a fish pasta course or not? Because will we get too full by the time we get to the Zupa di Pesce or whatever else we're doing? So it's fish from top to bottom. And that's the one tradition I try to uphold. I try not to have any meats on Good Friday. Of course, this is all farcical because as we know, it was a pope who had ties to the fishing industry who made this a decree. Oh you my God, you're meat. kidding yeah. me. Yeah, that's where it comes from? Yeah. Some people will say it's equated to the fact that Jesus was crucified and so his body was crucified and we shouldn't be eating meat. But who eats who eats human meat, right? No one does. So to me, that doesn't jive. Anyways, it's a celebration of Good Friday. I try to maintain that by not eating hot dogs or prosciutto or any other sort of accidental meat that might the true, fall. The true yeah. sacrifice that might just fall from the sky and cross <laughs> your lips and go down your gullet. Yeah, it, It's hard sometimes because, you know, during the day you're like, oh, like you said, you want a snack. So you go into the fridge and the next thing you know, you've got capicolo in your mouth. And you're like, what did I do? What day is it today? Oh, it's Good Friday. I'm going to my aunt's house. What did I do? Right. I quickly we really should have let you get all of these things out first. Right. After I've talked about fasting, for you to talk about capicolo, you know, somehow appearing in your mouth, it's just a, it's a, it was a bad lead-in. We should have ended on the beauty of fasting. But listen, keep going. Listen, with we can, your, we can your, go your back sacrifices. there. Okay, I I, I want to say this. There's a couple of Italian traditions, and there's European traditions that sort of blend into one, right? But there's one that, as a child, as an Italian child was the uh, biggest disappointment of Easter and the biggest sort of thing you looked forward to. And it was your grandparents, your noni, would bring a giant Easter egg made of chocolate the size of a football. You may have seen them in sort of specialty stores, right? <laughs> and it's wrapped with this metallic paper. Yeah. And it's so glorious to look at. And it's so big and bright and colorful. And you just couldn't wait to get your hands on it. And then you would open it up and the crinkling sound of that metallic paper would just yeah. be like the sounds of angels. To me, that's the sound of angels. When I crinkle. Always hollow inside, right? Hollow inside with yeah. semi-sweet dark chocolate. A thing that kids are, cannot appreciate, will not appreciate, but they see it as chocolate and can't wait to eat it. And then you take a a bite of it and it's not the chocolate you want it's the chocolate you deserve to all those wretched kids who 
who treat their parents crazy throughout their year, that's what they do. They punish you. And then you have a little tiny toy. I love that semi-sweet is a punishment. That's so funny. That says a lot about your youth. But it's it's semi-sweet. So it's like, it's baker's chocolate is basically what they've made this. It's not 90%, uh, you know, chocolate there. It's not crazy. Semi-sweet. There's still the word sweet is in there. uh, Let me rephrase that because it's Italian semi-sweet. So in our version, it would be barely sweet chocolate. It's 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 a chocolate that you would cook really? with. It's a chocolate you punish kids with. That's those eggs. And the uh, little gift, there would be a little toy, and not inside the egg, like a Kinder egg, but on the bottom in a little plastic cup, almost like a NyQuil cup, would be a toy. And it was usually a garbage toy, like a ring, maybe a little toy car. Only one year in my entire youth did I ever get a gift that was good on Easter in that in those eggs. Now... Because of what's gone on, you see what a was lot it? of- You're just going to, you're going to rifle past that? What was the gift? I think it was like a little something that you push the bottom of it and that little man's eyes lit up or something like that. Like it was something really cool. Um, I can't remember. I'm sure I broke it. I was probably six when Sounds I got that. Exciting. But yeah. um, you're always chasing that. You're always chasing that Easter egg every year, hoping to get that great gift. And it never did. Uh, so that is a tradition. And now we've seen it bastardized because now you're seeing a lot of sweet eggs, like a kinder eggs in that sort of shape. Mm. And you're seeing these other eggs that have milk chocolate. And it's like, no, Cream that's eggs. not fair. That's not fair. It should be that horrible semi-sweet chocolate that people in my age range remember, dread, and love. And that's and if that's you were punished. Tradition. They should be punished. Yeah, that's the way it yeah. goes. It's it's okay. it's that cycle of of sadness that has to follow Easter uh, for kids. Uh, we also do like, have you ever heard of a, of a Colomba or a Colombo Pasquale? No, uh, it's an Easter. It's an Easter dove. So a Colomba di Pasqua. So it's basically what Panettone is to Christmas, the Colomba is to Easter. So it's a sweet bread that's in the shape of a dove, though. I can't tell what the head or the ass of the dove is because it looks the same. Um, okay. And it has, uh, you know, it's a sweet bread. It's from the Lombardy region. So picture uh, uh, Milan or Lake Como. Like that's that's the area of Italy where it comes from. And it's usually studded with citrus peels and topped with a shiny coat of sugar and nut syrup. Insert your own joke there. Yeah. And it has almonds all around it. And, and like all Italian sweets, which my wife hates, it goes great with coffee. So Italian sweets, not overly sugary, but great as accompaniment to your coffee. We could do a little merger here, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Muslims who are fasting right now and looking for something different to be on the table at some point this month, month sure. maybe they look at the, what is it? Colombo di Pasquale? No. Colomba. So Colomba means Colomba. dove. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pasquale, Pasqua is Easter. Pasquale, yeah. the, the man's name, Pasquale, but it also means Easter as well. So Easter, Easter dove. Um, it's great. You can find it in a lot of specialty stores. It, it kind of is in the area where if if that store would have panettone, it would be in that area. It's a sweet bread that's packaged, flown in from Italy. Uh, there's some makers in North America who make it too. You see, before I want to just pull back the curtain on our show for a moment, which I find is very amusing. Prior to the show, Marco said to me, try not to hit your hands on the table you're sitting at. Little did Marco know that he would be talking about uh, sweet treats from his youth and getting excited beyond belief and knocking the microphone and the table multiple times. I want everyone to know that is all Marco. Yeah, fair that's enough. The, that's the audio guy in this duo. That's right. It's that true. guy with his mouth watering and dripping onto his microphone, he is also banging things around in his studio. At, let me ask you Please. this. At the end of Ramadan, do you have a feast like the last day on the on the 31st day? Yeah. 
It's called Eid. There's two Eids, or in, yeah. in, in Arabs will say Eid is the way it's pronounced, right. but Eid, E-I-D, uh, is, is what it is. And uh, Eid's a big jam. It's a big party, and, and it's a funny thing because I'm always very... Um, I'm very sheepish about Ooh, Eid, you know, people, oh. because you are you're you're celebrating with people who deserve to party. Oh. They've sacrificed, right? Especially a summer Ramadan, you fasted every day for 16 hours potentially, 15 hours and I now see. this is your party. Imposter and I'm like, syndrome. What am I doing here? Impo- absolutely. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. So it's with that in mind also that I say I have so much respect for people who, who do it and go through it. And it's great for them. Uh, I found it um, insurmountably challenging. Okay. But, uh, but but that party is great. And that's the party where the lambs, in my opinion, should be roasting on a fire. And there should be uh, a, a massive feast because, you know, it all comes, comes to that. I, I don't think that should be a nightly thing. You know, it's so interesting because I think that food is really the, the, the unifier you know, there's so many wars and so much discord when it comes to religion where there shouldn't be. Because if you look, if you take a look at our religions, our collective religions throughout the world, and you look at the food and the celebrations and the traditions, they are so similar that it just signifies to us we are so much more alike than we are not alike. And all Bye. this bullshit of religious wars or these televangelists who t- knock down other religions once again. Get all your religious knowledge from me. Um, you will not hear that. Like, like it's just look at the food and the food will tell you that we are all alike. Because once again, on Easter, the tradition is to eat lamb and it is a feast. And, you know, a lot of the things you say resonate with me to my core because I feel like there are things that I've experienced. It may be in different ways in my religious cultural upbringing. Wonderful, buddy. You know, the next show that I tour is called Does This Taste Funny? And I think you'll enjoy it, especially because that's Mm. the that's the message. Right. Food as um, food as 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 uh, healing food Mm. as a symbol of generosity, food as as community. Yes. And food as uh, again, you know, highlighting that we're more similar than we are different. And if we're not, if we if we are different, what's so bad about that? Think about the first time you ate something that you never ate before and absolutely loved it. And you're like, when can I get this um, kimchi pork bone soup again? I'm putting words into your mouth, but you know, like something that you didn't grow up eating, and then you have it, and you're like, wow, I didn't know kimchi had this punch or whatever it is, right? Like you learn about new cultures, you introduce new foods and it's a beautiful thing. Of It's a bridge. I asked my wife, I said, so when you came to Easter dinner, what were some of the things that you noticed that were different than how you celebrated Easter? And, you know, she had mentioned that, you know, Jesus died so she could have clams on, on Good Friday. Vongole. And, Vongole, yeah. And then she also mentioned this. She said, you know, at the end of the meal on Easter, somehow a tray of desserts that look like they've been, uh, not desserts, of fruit that look like they've been flown in from Italy in Clingfield, mm. come out and get laid to the table. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you've got khaki, you've got fiki di India, you've got melon that's cut in a different way. She goes, it just looks so European. It doesn't look like any fruit plate mm. that would come out on our table. And I'm like, yeah, but you love that shit. She goes, oh, I know. I love it, right? And for those of you who are, <clears throat> are wondering what khaki are um, European persimmons which we call khaki which is- i know what khaki is uh, too 
Yeah. And I'm glad you're telling people what it is. It's the second thing that I'd never heard of. What was that? Uh, the second fruit. Fico di India, or if there's more than one, Fiki di India, which translates to figs, Indian figs, For or figs course. from India. Mm-hmm. But they're actually cactus pears. What a sham. Yeah. What a complete well, I don't sham. know. We call them the cactus pears. We call them figs from India. And, okay. uh, and uh, you know, they're often. And the, the interesting thing about cactus pears, have you had cactus pears or have you ever peeled? Cactus I have. Pears? Sure. Okay. Sure, so, sure. So my dad would always do it because it would always be the person with the roughest hands because they often yeah. have little tiny. Um, what do you call it? Needles. Yeah, an, an abrasive. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. when you peel them open, you don't know what color the inside will be. And so it's also a celebration of color because you'll open them and sometimes they'll be like this, this fuchsia red or a bright yellow or white oh, yeah, or green. Sure. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing. And she's like, I had never seen those before. And now I just want to say you can get a San Pellegrino uh, drink, one of those carbonated drinks that have Fiki di India on it. I'll take a photo of it if we still have it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a mix of orange and that. It was fantastic. It's this beautiful pink color. So those are some of the things that, you know, that that my wife notices that we do differently at our Easter table. I love it. Now, before we go, unless you're going to say something, I want to mention, because we do food and we do drink, I just want to sort of supplement this episode with some wines. If you're having lamb for Easter, here mm-hmm. are some wines I recommend. I got this from matchingfoodandwine.com because I feel like they really summed up the five because there's so many different wines you can pick with uh, with your with your lamb meal. And with regards to lamb, I think the key here is it's how the lamb is prepared that would be indicative of the wine that goes best with it. Of course. Okay. So a lot of, of people will say yeah. like, you know, you can get, you can have white wine with fish and, and you know, they'll say the, the, the top are one or two wines that pair well with any fish here. I would say that it depends on how the lamb is prepared. If you want to pair the perfect red. So let me give you a trio yeah. of ideas sure. here. That classic, uh, manja cake style of, uh, um, roast lamb with not much done to it. And then like a mint jelly. Right. So yeah. just uh, just lamb on its own, salt, pepper, uh, garlic. Yeah. And then and mint jelly. So that's that's one idea that sure. maybe comes to mind. Another is like um, an encrusted lamb roasting it with like olives. Right. Like sure. almost like a tapenade or roast olives. So, you know, that 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 um, that the, the tartness of, yes. a, of an olive and, and breadcrumbs and, and um, maybe even grated lemon peel and that kind yep. of, I really love, uh, you know, if I'm not going into a, a Pakistani or Afghani or any of those sure. methods, I love that encrusted lamb, lamb uh, enrobé, as they yes. say. And then I will say also something more Eastern. So the, 24 to 48 hour marinated lamb in like a yogurt and spice mixture. So it can be very simple, just like a garam masala and yogurt and then garlic and ginger, or it could be like a variety of uh, Indian Pakistani spices in, uh, in uh, olive oil instead of yogurt. And then, right. So you have kind of like um, spicier. Sure. But, but robust, yes. you know, like the cumins and the corianders, not, not uh, spicy, um, fiery, but some of that too. A few chili flakes into your mix. You have the olive encrusted and you have just a simple roast garlic lamb with mint jelly. Any, any. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to mention some lamb dishes and then you can, you can insert some of the lamb dishes you think would go well with these wines. So first up, if we go to France or the U.S., a Pinot Noir. 
Pinot Noir, light to medium body, you know, dry, typically fruit forward. This kind of wine goes well with a rack of lamb or a lamb stew. Or those right. light in, in a more simple preparation. Right? Agre- yes, yeah. agreed. Okay. Then we go to Spain, Aroja. You know, this mm. is a typical Spanish wine from that region called Aroja, aged in oak, usually high acidity, uh, dark berries, cherry flavor, medium to high tannins. So that kind of like that feel of when your spit gets sucked out of your mouth when you drink wine, that's the tannins <laughs> doing that. Yeah. We're yeah. looking at like lamb cutlets that are cooked over like vine cuttings, maybe a uh, lamb on a spit type type deal. Aroha would go well. So those are, you're getting more of the flavor of the coal, charcoal, wood, that kind of stuff. That could, Okay. All right. Yep. yep. Then okay. we go to Italy. If you want an Italian wine, the Chianti or the Chianti Classico, medium body, high acidity, tarty juice flavor, cherries, um, the feel of earth as well. This is basically the way, to, the way Italians do lamb often is with garlic and rosemary, kind of mm-hmm. basted in that. Uh, and the, the acidity in these wines will offset the lamb's slightly fatty, the fattiness of lamb perfectly. Um, and so this is, this is one, this is one, one area where, you know, the red wine helps the lamb sing or, or, or really compliments the lamb because lamb is a fattier, fattier, uh, uh, meat. And another preparation that I really used to enjoy uh, is more sort of Greek influenced, um, little red wine. And I'm thinking of it just because you had a little red wine, little olive oil, yes, garlic, yes, just smashed and then rosemary and oregano, both fresh. And thyme, okay, maybe two out of those three at sure. the very least, rosemary, thyme, all into sort of a pan. Yes. And uh, and then the lamb in there, and after about 10 hours, flipped again. Uh, I'm talking about marination time, right? Right. So that it's really coated, and in that red wine, you can taste the garlic really infuses it, and the herbs really infuse it. But very simple. You're really yes. just talking about... A little bit of oil, a little bit of red wine. And if you're, you know, a practicing Muslim and it is the month of Ramadan, I would say a little bit of balsamic vinegar, not as much as as, as the red wine. Right. A little bit of balsamic vinegar would do the trick there sure. for that tanginess. And then smashed garlic and herbs. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And then and then once it's cooked, you can salt it or you can cook it uh, after you, uh, right before it goes into the oven. And then we marinated for like a day. Indeed. Indeed. For sure. Uh, we round off our top five wines. In France, and I'll have a list of this in our show notes in case you're like, oh, I want to see see those uh, wines again. Red Bordeaux or Bordeaux blends. Once again, simple lamb served with garlic. Or if you're doing like a lamb pot pie or shepherd's pie, British dishes like uh, Lancashire hot pot, those kind of uh, lamb dishes, lamb and pastry, a red Bordeaux or a Bordeaux blend would go very well with. Lancashire hot pot, huh? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you... <laughs> Something I never thought we'd talk about here. Bordeaux, my friend, yes. probably one of the dullest, most boring Ooh. wines I've ever drank. Fair enough. That's what I'm going to tell you. There you go. Okay. That's what I'm so gonna not say. for you. Yeah. So then maybe we go to Southern France for their reds for you. So we're going to talk about Grenaches, Shiraz, or Syrah, however you say it, mm-hmm. or those blends. You know, you've got notes of cinnamon and floral bouquets in the Grenache. In the Shiraz, it's uh, dry, full-bodied, dark fruit flavors. It has a punch of tartiness that tapers off to a spicy pepper 
peppery note, which I think goes so well with with dishes like lamb. Um, and of course, uh, this is a good for robust lamb dishes, these these wines here. So we're talking braised lamb shanks, Moroccan tagines, spicy stews and casseroles, mm. even some mild lamb curries. I was wondering when you'd get to that, huh? I say the, the best spice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you. And okay. that's where you're going to have those those uh, Southern French Grenaches, Shiraz wines, which I love. I love. And those go really lovely with a more robust, spicy uh, lamb dish, which I think is a great way to eat lamb. Well, that's fantastic. And go. it's 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 an episode, you know, it's called This Podcast is Delicious. And yet we started by talking about uh, not putting delicious food in your mouth. But when you finally do, when the fast is over, you're all the much, you're all the more better for, no, that's not how you're, you're more better for, you're better for it. Sure. I don't know the right English. You're better for having fasted. The food tastes better. Yes. And, uh, and if you're drinking, uh, I don't know, you get a buzz sooner or something, right? Indeed. Indeed. Sure. Like you're like, your body's like, oh, what's this? Okay. Exactly. It amplifies, it amplifies the alcohol uh, in your system. Uh, I want to say this to our listeners. If you're listening, you know, we often will gravitate towards me, Italian, my Italian heritage in the cuisine and you to your Pakistani heritage and cuisine. But if you have Easter or Ramadan traditions with regards to food and drink, Please let us know either Absolutely. on our uh, social media, this podcast is delicious, or you can email us at this podcast is delicious at gmail.com. And we'll share those recipes or those uh, things that you do in your culture or what you do and what you bring to the table. And we, I hope we brought some interesting things to your table on this podcast episode. All right. This podcast has been delicious. I'm Ali Hassan. I'm Marco Timpano. We'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening.